Good morning, everyone. It is the 5th of September. My name is Lorna Denny, and I'm joined today by Nara McDonnell. Last week brought the month of August to an end. It was a tough month for financial markets, with volatility levels jumping once again. Equities took a battering after July's rallies, and there were some fairly sharp reversals in the bond markets now. Good morning, Lorna. Yes, indeed. So following on from last Friday week's bond market sell-off post the Jackson Hole Symposium, the downward trend continued with fixed income in freefall for the course of the week. Euro and UK government bonds experienced the largest drawdown. In Europe, that's Euro and UK, there was reliance on Russian gas, and this coupled with the prospects of an exceptionally challenging winter is continuing to push energy prices higher and is affecting market sentiment. Just even this morning, gas prices have surged 30%. As traders have reacted to Russia's decision late on Friday to keep its main gas pipeline shut indefinitely. So to put some numbers on the bond market impact, the German 10-year bond was up about 14 basis points to 1.53%. So holding one of these bonds over the course of the week would have lost you about nearly 1.5% in capital terms. Peripheral Europe, like Greece and Italy, were worse off. And the US 10-year finished the week at 3.19%, so up about 15 basis points. In US Treasuries, longer data bonds generally held up well on Friday. But on Monday, like the rest of the fixed income market, they began to sell off. So the headline index of global government bonds lost about a percent on the week and corporate credit markets continue to be affected with the spread of both government bonds widening as well. But is it fair to say that this hawkish rhetoric we had from the US Fed, particularly at the Jackson Hole Summit, was really what sent the market's mood plummeting? Yes, I think that's fair. Fed chairman's speech at the Jackson Hole Symposium was taken as decidedly hawkish. As a reminder, Jay Powell promised unconditional commitment on getting inflation under control. And this caused the Fed futures to jump from to 3.9% for February 2023, whereas in August, this was only at 3.3%. So what that is saying is the bond market is pricing in higher rates for longer. And just to note that this compares with the Fed's current target range of about 2.5%. So we still have a lot more to go in this hiking cycle. Bond market sentiment really had begun to become a bit rosier during the summer and arguably getting a little ahead of itself. So in July, as macro data began to soften, the market began to price in a pivot Fed policy. So belief that the Fed would switch focus from, oh, we have an inflation problem to, oh, we have a growth problem. Pell's speech really was taken as scrapping this thesis. So hopes of a, a near-term Fed pivot on interest rates have been abandoned, it seems. But this is also playing out in the currency markets. Yes, the US dollar had its third consecutive month of gains. So the DXY, which is an index which tracks the broad strength and value of the US dollar, is well above the 100 mark at a level you haven't seen in two decades. So anybody going on holidays to the United States is going to find it pretty expensive. Sterling had its worst month since the Brexit referendum and also the euro continues to weaken. This has been driven by one, negative views on the prospects for their economies and two, higher rates that are in the US. So typically when a region has a higher interest rate, it attracts capital flows to earn the interest income from holding that currency. As long as we have, as the Fed continues to out-hike the euro and the UK, they, this won't likely see a respite. So those interest rate differentials, which are key to markets there. In the inflation reports themselves have been coming in at high levels. We saw the eurozone inflation topping 9% in August, but actually the US PCE inflation actually came in slightly lower. Yes, the July figure for US PCE, and that is the Fed's preferred measure, came in at about 6.3% versus previous 69 So we have seen signs that inflation is moderating, and also some indicators that we monitor on supply chains are showing they tend to start to normalise. However, inflation still has a long way to fall to come down to the Fed's target of 2%. 
And of course, the Fed's dual mandate covers inflation, but also employment. What should we make of the non-farm payrolls data for August? Well, the employment report showed that unemployment rate ticked higher, driven by labour force participation. So more people returned to the workforce and also were some signs that wage inflation was easing. The jobs report was less friendly, so there was an increase in job openings in June. There are 6 million now employed in the US and there's 11 million job openings. However, what was promising is the quits rate was down, so less people quitting jobs and possibly looking for higher wages. Yes, indeed. And in the week ahead then, the EU will hold an emergency energy meeting after, as you say, Russia closed the Nord Stream 1 gas pipeline. We will have the last of the PMI data for August, including services PMIs from China and the US, always closely watched. We also have CPI inflation data from China, which have so far been holding at more restrained levels, so we'll watch that one closely. And we have some key central bank meetings. Yes, indeed. Bank of Canada, they surprised the market in the summer with a big jump in rates. But the big one to watch really is the European Central Bank meeting on Thursday with inflation above 9%. Some of the dynamics that we've discussed on energy prices, market expectations are moving from 50 basis points hike to a 75 basis point hike. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Lorna.